0: it's dark in here so dark it's kind of scary I know some of you right now might be a little afraid darkness does that I'm a little scared and I knew it was coming (laughs) I remember uh, when I was younger and I'm not talking like about five years ago I'm talking about a lot younger there were times when I was afraid of the dark. I remember my, my parents, one of them, tucking me in at night, and this happened a number of times, but tucking me in at night and going into my room, and they left and turned off the lights, and I'm laying there in the dark, no lights, and I just know that there's someone or something in my room with me. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know that there's something under your bed. There's some monster under there waiting to get you. But you're too afraid to even move to turn on the lights. Darkness is scary. There's a lot of unknowns that come with the darkness. I remember one time when I was younger, my family, we went on a trip, and we went to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Yeah, And we go on this tour and the guide takes you down deep into the cave and when you get down, it has to be near the bottom, I think, but when you get down into the cave, he thinks he's funny and he turns off the lights. And I remember our guide said something to the effect of, if I left you right now, you would never find your way out of this cave. He's like, feel the darkness, listen to the darkness. I don't know that I was ever more petrified in my life. You could not see your hand in front of your face. It was so dark. Darkness is scary. But darkness isn't, all, all, isn't just scary. Darkness is confusing as well. Whether you're in the bedroom or in a cave or up here on the platform, darkness makes it difficult to know which way to go or which path to take. I can move, you, you guys know I like to move around, but when it's dark, I, I, how far can I actually go without falling off the edge of the platform? Darkness is scary, and darkness is confusing. But light changes everything that's kind of scary isn't it <laughs> no serious light changes everything when the lights on i can see when the lights on i know that there are no monsters under my bed when my light is on i know that i'm not going to get lost in the cave when the light is on, I know that I can walk around the platform and not fall off the edge. See, because light changes everything. Now, I'm sure you figured out this morning that we're not going to just talk about physical darkness. We're going to talk about something that's much more serious, spiritual darkness. And we're going to talk about the light... That pierces that darkness. You see, spiritual darkness is all around us. Each one of us experiences some level of spiritual darkness. And sometimes the darkness that surrounds us or the darkness that is in our lives can become overwhelming. But God provides a light that pierces the very real darkness. Poof. And the lights go back on. Now, it may take you a while to readjust, but we are going to... We'll put it right up here. We are going to spend our time this morning in a portion of Psalm 119. So if you take your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, grab the Bible in the pew in front of you or under the seat... And we are going to be looking at Psalm 119. It's found on page 439 in the Bibles that the church provides. And when you get there, you're going to kind of see, as you kind of come to Psalm 119, you're going to see that it covers pages 436, 437, 438, 439, and 440. And that's because it's the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the entire Bible. There are 176 verses in this psalm. Now I know what some of you are thinking, don't worry, we are not going to cover all 176 verses this morning. We are going to look at Psalm 119 verses 105 to 112. But before we look at our eight verses this morning, I want to give you a little background on Psalm 119 as a whole. Psalm 119 is an acrostic or an alphabetic psalm. It has 22 stanzas, one stanza for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each stanza, each of the 22 stanzas contains eight verses. And each verse of each stanza starts with a Hebrew, a letter of a Hebrew alphabet in continuous order. So for example, the first eight verses of Psalm 119 start with the Hebrew letter that kind of corresponds with our letter A. The next eight verses of Psalm 119 starts with the Hebrew letter that kind of corresponds with our letter B and, and so on and so forth. And you can see in your church Bibles and many of your other Bibles as well, how each stanza, each of the 22 stanzas is marked with, the, with a heading. That heading is the Hebrew letter that corresponds with that standing. This is an amazing piece of poetry. 176 verses with the, with the design and the architecture and the beauty of incredible poetry. But the most striking feature of Psalm 119 is that every verse of this psalm refers to the word of God in some way or another with very few exceptions. Most commentators agree that 171 out of the 176 verses in the psalm refer in some way or another to the precepts, laws, ordinances, decrees, rulings, the word of God. This psalm cries out out regarding the importance and the priority that Scripture should play in each one of our lives. It speaks to the importance, the authority, the priority that the Bible should play in our lives. And Scripture is never more important than we fa- when we find ourselves surrounded by darkness. And this world is full yep. of darkness. So it's essential to have the source of light. So let's look at verse 105 to 112. This is stanza 14. Verse 105, we begin, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Now most of us most of us aren't scared of the dark anymore. At least physical darkness. We're able to sleep without thinking of monsters. We're able to be in a cave without freaking out. We're able to be in a dark sanctuary for a few minutes without too much worry. But what these verses recognize is what we all already know. It's that spiritual darkness. The darkness of this world is much scarier and much more confusing than physical darkness can ever be. So we need something to illuminate the darkness. We need something that lights Up the darkness. And that's what we have in the word of God. That's what this scripture is. That's what this Bible is all about. That's how the psalmist starts out in this stanza. Look at what he says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The Bible is the light that pierces the darkness. God's word allows us to see everything clearly, even when we're surrounded by darkness. And to drive this point home, the psalmist lists seven things. He sees seven sights that are enabled that he's able to see because of the light of the word of God. Now this morning we are going to identify these seven things from the psalm. We're going to go through these verses and we are going to see the seven things that the psalmist sees when the light of the word of God is turned on. For many of you, some of these things are going to be a review. For some of you, some of these things are going to be new. But what I can guarantee you is this. Because we are all in the midst of some aspect of darkness, because darkness is at the very least in this world around us out there, and likely within some here, at least one of these things is going to resonate with you. So get out your notes and write down because we're going to go through these and I promise you at least one, you'll say, ah, that's why I need God's word. So the first thing, the first thing that we're able to see when the light comes on is found in verse 105. Now we've touched on it a little bit. We introduced it. It's a familiar verse to many. But the first thing we're able to see is God's direction for our lives. When the light of the word of the God comes on, we are able to see God's direction for our lives. We are able to see the path that God has for us. The psalmist says God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word allows me to see the direction that he wants me to go. God's word gives me the guidance that I need to get to where he wants me to be. God's word provides me with the wisdom I need in order to live a life for him. God's word illuminates the darkness. It shows us what path to take. But the problem for many of us is that we have a tendency to rely upon unreliable and sometimes even dangerous information think how much time you spend. And I say think how much time you spend because I know how much time I spend. Think how much time you spend reading the news or reading blogs on your iPads, listening to music, listening to politicians, listening to pundits, listening to all various different sources, even friends on Twitter or Facebook, listening to their opinions or what they feel about something. Think about how much time each one of us spends listening to sources that are at best unreliable and maybe even dangerous. Sources that don't come close to even representing what the Word of God says. The psalmist says, God, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives me the direction in which to go. God's word is what lights up the path. And we need to recognize that the problem with this other unreliable or dangerous information is that when we take it in, it influences our decisions. It influences our decisions whether we recognize it or not. This unreliable, sometimes dangerous information comes into my mind, it enters my being, and it influences my decisions. It causes me to think a certain way and then to act a certain way. I says, no, that's, that's not. Those are not the sources of direction, guidance, and wisdom. My word, God's word, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that provides direction, guidance, wisdom. Second, the psalmist says that the light of the word of God reveals the importance of righteous behavior. The light of the word of God when it goes on reveals the importance of righteous behavior. Verse 106, the psalmist writes, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. The psalmist here is committed. He's taken an oath. He's following God's righteous laws. Why? Because the psalmist knows that the person who follows God's righteous laws will be blessed. Two weeks ago, Psalm 84, God is good and he bestows favor and honor on those whose walk is blameless. Those who follow God's righteous laws, their path is a blessed path. Look at back, turn back to verse 1 of Psalm 119. Verse 1, look at what the psalmist says, look at what he writes. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. Those verses reaffirm to us that those who are blessed, those who follow God's righteous laws are blessed. Those are the ones, those are the people who are happy, contented, full of joy. In the inverse, those who do not follow God's righteous laws those who sin, those who are trapped in their sin, those who continue to live in their sin, those are the individuals who are not happy, who are not contented. Those are the individuals who are not experiencing the joy of their salvation. And here's what's interesting to me. The, the main reason that we sin, this is important, the main reason that we sin is that we do not know the Bible well enough. The main reason we sin is that we do not know the Bible well enough. Hosea the prophet. Hosea the prophet ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel prior to its destruction in 722 B.C. These were the darkest days for the kingdom of Israel. Crazy stuff, crazy bad stuff was going on there were human sacrifices and incense burned in pagan temples by the people of God. King Ahaz burned his own son in a sacrifice and stole money from the temple of God in order to bribe the king of Assyria. These are the darkest days, spiritual decline, sin abounding, and the prophet Hosea gives a diagnosis of what has happened, and this is what he writes. Listen to what he says. My people are destroyed from what? My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored, other translations say forgotten, the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. Why do we sin? Hosea says the diagnosis is from lack of knowledge. Ignorance leads to sin and sin inexorably leads to judgment. The people's lack of knowledge led to their destruction. This is a warning to you and it's a warning to me that we need to be people of the word. That we need to seek after knowledge and wisdom and guidance from the word Of God we need to be studying reading obeying applying the word of God in our lives in order that we can pursue the righteous path my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge be in the word the light of the word identifies the righteous path. Next, verse 107. The psalmist says in verse 107, I have suffered much. The psalmist knows suffering. He's telling us, I have suffered much. He knows affliction. Life has been difficult. And many of you, when you hear this, you think to yourselves, I know exactly what he's talking about. Maybe it's the death of a spouse Maybe it's a sickness that you're experiencing, a broken or a tough relationship, a financial difficulty, and you hear this morning, you think to yourself, I, I know what this psalmist is talking about. I know, I know what it's like to suffer. Now, the Bible can help by explaining various reasons for suffering Yet that's not what the psalmist does here. He doesn't ask for reasons for suffering. Instead, he prays. Look at his prayer. He prays, Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Other translations say renew my life according to your word. At this point, the psalmist is not interested in the reasons why he is suffering. All he wants is for God to get him through the suffering that he's in. All he wants is for God to provide a way out. So when the psalmist goes to the word of God, he's turning to the Bible, seeing and he sees in this word of God that God is present in his pages. And in those pages, he sees the promise for preservation. He sees the promise for renewal. When he turns to the Bible, when he opens the word of God and he begins reading and studying it and meditating upon it, he recognizes that God is with him and he sees that God promises to take care of him no matter what he is going through. In going to the word of God, the psalmist is renewed in his suffering. I have a friend who a few years ago experienced a great deal of suffering. It was, it, it, was, it was just one thing after another. First, he had some issues with his children. Then he had a financial setback, a, a financial problem. And then his wife died. And as I met with him and just hung out and and listened, I began watching in him over a period of time what was happening in his spirit. And it was honestly quite amazing because what I saw was that as he got into the word of God, as he studied and as he memorized, when we would meet, he would tell me about how much time he was, he was spending in the word of God. What I saw was a person who was getting stronger and stronger in spite of the suffering. And what I saw in him was a miraculous renewal of spirit over time, that I believe was caused by his time in the Word of God. It was clearly nothing I said, but he kept telling me, "Tom, I'm spending. I'm, this is what I read. This is what I memorized." And every time we met, he was getting stronger and stronger. Why? Because he spent time in the Word, and it miraculously renewed his spirit. The words of God when we are in the midst of suffering provide preservation and renewal. The fourth thing that the psalmist sees when the light of the word of God shines in the darkness is a proper view of worship. Look at verse 108. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. When the psalmist goes to God's Word, he sees that the only proper response is to worship God because when he goes to God's Word, he recognizes the power of God's Word. William Barclay writes this about God's Word. This is what he says. This is what he wrote. In Jewish thought, a word was more than a sound expressing a meaning. A word actually did things. The Word of God is not simply a sound It's an effective cause. You see, God's words are fundamentally different from your word. God's words are fundamentally different from my words. God's word is effective. If you're a parent here, you kind of understand what I'm saying, or you will in just a minute. You say to your children, get up. It's time to get up now. You know what? Could you go down and clean the basement? Hey, be home by 11 o'clock. Now, sometimes your words result in action. Sometimes your words are effective. But many times, if you're like me anyway, many times your words aren't that effective. God's words are never like that. God's word, God's words are always effective. They always have a cause. They always have some action that happens because of them. When God speaks, results must occur. Now think about this for a moment. Go to the book of Genesis, the first chapter. Don't go there, but just think about this with me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. God says what? God says, let there be light. And what happens? There's light. God speaks and light happens. The biggest bang the universe has ever experienced happens. Why? Because God spoke the word. Think about Jesus. Think about when Jesus spoke. In John chapter five, Jesus comes along, sees a paralytic, a man who's paralyzed. And what does he say to the paralytic? Get your mat, get up and walk. And what happens? The paralytic gets up and walks just because Jesus spoke the word. His word is effective. In Mark 6, a man named Jarius comes to Jesus. Excuse me, Mark 5. A man, Jarius, he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, my little daughter is dying. And later Jesus goes to Jarius's house And he sees the lifeless body of this little girl. And what does he say to her? He says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And what happens? She gets up. And life floods into her body. Why? Because God spoke. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus sustains All things by his powerful word. The word of God is effective, it is powerful, and when God speaks, something always happens. And that's why when the psalmist comes to understand the powerful nature of God's word, his only response is to get down on his knees and worship God. When we go to God's word and the light of God's word pierces the darkness, we come come to see God's direction for our path. We see the importance of righteous behavior. We experience renewal in suffering. We take a proper view of worship. And fifth thing the psalmist is able to see because of the light of scripture is found in verse 109. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. In the original Hebrew, it literally says, my soul in my hands constantly. This means that the psalmist sees that he's in constant danger. And we've seen this throughout First and Second Samuel, haven't we? We've seen this in the life of David. He goes to confront the giant Goliath. King Saul at one point is chasing him around the desert trying to kill him. And later, even David's own son wants him dead. But here the psalmist isn't specifically referring to physical danger. He's talking about spiritual danger. And what the psalmist recognizes here is that spiritual danger is much more dangerous. Spiritual darkness is much more dangerous than physical darkness. It's the spiritual darkness that can truly take you down. That's why he says, look at what he writes then. He says, I will not forget your law. He recognizes the danger of abandoning God's law. I have a question for you. Do you think that we really understand the danger of abandoning God's law? Do you think we understand the danger of abandoning God's law? I'm I'm not so sure we do. I want you to ask yourself this question. How much, time, how much time do I actually spend in God's Word? How much time do I actually spend studying, reading, meditating upon God's Word? How much time do you spend in God's Word? I think your answer is a partial evidence of whether you've abandoned God's word or not. And you see, the thing is, is that abandoning God's word is not without consequence. Abandoning God's word leads us or leaves us right in darkness. It gives us a life without peace, without direction, without renewal. It leaves us alone in darkness. The light of God's word highlights the dangers of this life. Verse 110 is similar to verse 109. It states, The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. This makes it clear that the psalmist knew that he was in danger from his enemies. The wicked The wicked people around him had set a trap for him. They were waiting to harm him. And just like the psalmist, if we are following Jesus in our lives, there are people, there are wicked people who are wanting to set traps, set snares for you and for me. Jesus himself says, people persecute me, and because they persecute me, they will end up persecuting you just just because you follow Jesus. So the psalmist here says that he recognizes that there are people that are setting traps. And in our lives, it may be people that are trying to make you look bad on your job. It may be people that are trying to embarrass you in front of your friends because you are a follower of Jesus. But if we're going to get through this darkness, we must be strong spiritually. We must be in God's word in order to have our priorities straight, in order to recognize that it is much, much more important to please God and to please the other people around us. There's also one other wicked person that we should note that the light of the word instructs us to be aware of. Who is the greatest enemy that sets a snare for us? Satan. And when we get into the word, the light is shown upon Satan and we recognize the darkness that he brings into our lives and we see who he is for who he is. and we come to understand his tactics... The word of God tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the evil forces within the heavenly realm. The light of the word of God shines bright on the darkness of Satan. And finally, number seven. When the light of the word of God enters the darkness, the psalmist is able to see the true value of God's word. The psalmist is able to see the true value of God's word. Look at verse 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. When I first began studying this passage, I came to verse 111 and I almost thought that it was a throwaway verse. Now, not that I thought you'd throw away the verse, but I thought it, it, just, it just doesn't seem to be as important as the verses that come before it. But after studying it, I think that it may be the most important verse in the stanza. In fact, I think it may be the most important verse in all of Psalm 119. Because it's in this verse that the psalmist recognizes what he truly has. When he speaks here of his heritage, he's speaking of what has utmost value to him. And he doesn't talk about money. He doesn't talk about lands. He doesn't talk about possessions He doesn't even talk about family or friends. He says that the word of God is his heritage forever. He says that it's God's word that is the most important thing to him. All that he desires, he already possesses. This is a remarkable statement. And you know why he feels this way? He feels this way because he comes to see that God's word is actually made up of the words of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He comes to see that God's word is actually made up of the words of God. In my hands right now, in most of your hands right now, you are holding the very words of God. And too many times, most of us who have grown up in the church, we look at this and we think that this is just a book. This is not just a book. These are the very words of God. And you hold them in your hand. Do you think that this can pierce the darkness? God has spoken to you and to me. And not only has he spoken, he continues to speak. This is a supernatural book. And the psalmist comes to see that this is the most valuable thing he has and the most valuable thing he could ever possess. He has the very words of God. So he cries out in verse 112, he cries out, he says, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Of course he's going to keep the decrees. These are the words of God. This is not a book. You and I hold the words of God in our hands. If you think that God is silent, if you think that God does not speak, or if this morning you feel like you are in darkness, you hold the very words of God. He is speaking to you. He wants to speak to you. He has provided the light that pierces the darkness. But the thing is, is you just can't hold the book. You have to open it up. You have to read it. You have to study it. You have to meditate on it. You have to flick on the light switch so that you can see God's direction for your life, the importance of righteous behavior, so that you can experience renewal in suffering, so that you can have a proper view of worship so that you will see and understand the dangers around you and know that there are enemies out there to get you. And most importantly, when you open the word of God and get into it, you will come to know that these are the very words of God that you hold in your hand. Turn on the light. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. For you are not a God who leaves us in darkness. You are a God who provides the light that pierces the darkness. Lord, help us to not take this book for granted. Help us to recognize that it is a supernatural book that is made up of your very words. Lord, I pray that each one of us in this room this morning would be a people of the book. That when people look at us, they would see the light of Christ because we are in his light and in his word. Lord, we pray that we will truly value what you have given us. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.